Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello there, welcome to a big episode of the Gagan Pod. It's great to have your company. As always, Richard Bayless stepping in for the injured Dave Weiner. He's not really injured, he's just having some time off and well earned as well. Joining me today on a show where we'll talk about English football, Asian football, also the Matildas and how they keep signing around the world, plus some stuff from back home and some fun in between. Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges. Thomas, hello to you. Yeah, good to talk to you from behind the Iron Curtain in Melbourne. Uh, you know, obviously we're going into the six-week lockdown, so it's great to have football and be able to, uh, to talk some, uh, some positive stuff. Well, that's exactly it. There's football on every second of the day, just about. How are you coping with that? Because the last few days in Victoria have been pretty interesting, particularly when you look at it through a football lens and the A-League teams, of course, not being able to get out. But how are you coping? Yeah, no, it's, it's been a quick, you know, it's just a quick turnaround, really, you know, from, from actually being, being free and, and we've just come back from a holiday and now we're, we're stuck in a house and we have to sort of sort out what the kids are doing uh, with school and everything else. Um, but, but as you say, you know, the, the, the trouble in the sporting world now, the A-League team's struggling to get out of Melbourne, you know, sitting at the airport two days in a row and, and uh, you know, so it's all put everything into turmoil and, uh, you know, I feel for those players, um, you know, but, uh, you know, luckily things are going on around the, the world that we can focus on and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's great. Exactly right. Michael Bridges joining us from Newcastle, not quite the same lockdown, but, uh, you know, it's uh, your wife I know likes to get you out of the house whenever possible, Bridgie. How are you coping at the moment with all the football happening? Every single day, it seems like the storyline moves on. Whether you're talking about Premier League or Championship everywhere, it's, a, it's an onslaught. Rich, I'm actually on my own lockdown for the first time. Kate's actually kept me in the house, mate, because I've been either sneaking off to watch football in the games room or going out to sneak on the golf course, mate. So it's the kids' holidays. I am in lockdown with the family. And with the podcast coming up, mate, plenty to talk about. Loving it. There's football left, right and centre for the next few weeks. And couldn't be in a better frame of mind for this podcast. Even missing Dave Weiner, can you believe? But great to have you on board because I know at some point we will be chatting about the Championship and Leeds United. Well, as little as possible. Is it real insight there into the life of an ex, uh, ex, ex-Premier League player, if you like, sneaking out for rounds of golf? It's something we can all aspire to. But let's turn our attention, first of all, to the Premier League. And we're recording this on Thursday morning. We've just seen Liverpool beat Brighton 3-1 at the Amex. We know, know of course, Brighton are pretty much safe. As for Liverpool, 92 points. They're closing in on that 100-point barrier. That record set by Manchester City a couple of years back. Let's talk, first of all, though, about Brighton. And, Bridgie, I'll come to you on this. I love the fact that Graham Potter just plays his football regardless. And we saw the best and worst of being in a relegation fight whilst playing your football this morning. Matty Ryan playing out from the back. They give a goal away. Also give the ball away in the middle of the park for another Liverpool goal. But, hey, it's all good fun. They're going to survive Brighton. Yeah, and I, I respect that, Rich. He stuck to his, his beliefs and how he wants to play. You know, even when the pressure was on, I've seen managers in the past. I think the biggest one was Karanka at Middlesbrough, how he completely changed his style of play 
um, when he hit the panic buttons and you know it went out the window his players had to try and understand the new style of play which was just defend for your lives and try and make it as tough as possible invite pressure and Potter hasn't done that he's stuck to what he believes is the type of football that he thinks can get them out of trouble and the type of football that the players have it's all they've known under him and also the club have got that the, the reason the club brought him in they wanted to play a style of football that they can you know, they can believe it'll excite the fans. It's a football that they want to see. Yes, they might not have the players that your Manchester Cities and your Liverpool have. Um, and that, that can come in the future if the, the success comes and stay in the Premier League. And he's stuck by his beliefs, mate. And like you say, the game this morning, it was a prime example of play out at all costs, OK? I'm a believer in that football, yeah, we play out from the back when it's on. And if, if it's no, I call it no-risk football, Rich. If it's not on... You don't do it. And unfortunately, we saw Brighton not taking that message on, on fully and just gifting Liverpool uh, a few goals. The difference is you're playing a Liverpool and Man City, which they're a high-pressing team. They're full of confidence. They're going to pinch things off teams. And this is where I think Potter, when he's playing other teams, they've managed to get results because they've stuck by their values, their style of play. And a lot of teams aren't going to put that kind of pressure on you when you're playing out in your defensive third. So I respect what he's done. And he's given a lot of other managers... Um, in England, a kind of not a wake up call, but a, a, a different style and a different approach. You know, Pearson comes in, he saves teams by getting them on board with a winner mentality, he changes the culture. His style of play is still not up there with the, the best managers in the world. Um, you see, Warnock's got a completely different style when he tried to keep teams in the division. So, a lot of these managers, Moyes at, at West Ham hasn't changed anything, the dynamics. So, Potter has given a whole new dimension to the English manager and the way of thinking in, in European football. And I'm delighted for him. So would you say it's a myth, Thomas, that you need someone like Pearson or Moyes to come in, Allardyce, you know, these firefighters coming in and playing a little bit more traditional, I suppose, in the way of English football. Has Potter pretty much blown a hole in that theory, like Bridgie says? Um, I think everything has its, has its place. Um, you know, I think Potter, obviously, he came in, at the beginning of the season where, where you look at Moyes and Pearson came in in December and, uh, you know, the, it's, it's easier to change things over a period of time. And I think that's, that's where it, it's a great example to, to clubs going forward that, uh, you know, you, you need to get, uh, you know, you need to get mad, uh, managers like Potter a bit of time because when you look at where Brighton were in, in December, January time, they actually were worse off than they were last year. But again, everyone is feeling that, that you know they're going in the right direction. They have lifted their ceiling. Where I thought they had sort of hit their ceiling last year. You knew what they were defensively, very sound. But you know you couldn't. You could only see them as a as a team that would struggle to survive year in year out. Where now you can actually see them breaking in to the top eight uh, potentially in years to come because because Potter has done that. But but I still think there's a room for. You know the Pearson, the Moyes, the Tony Pulises, the Sam Allardyces, who yeah. can come in on, on on a short notice, turn things around, give it, give a team a little bit of steel, you know, grind out results. Uh, you know, uh, but longer term, it's not a solution. I think it hasn't got rid of the myth factor behind it. It's got because, like you say, Sam Allardyce to come in and change a culture and come in with that strong mentality. He, you know, it's it's a tough thing to do. I think what it has changed. Um, Rich and you in the myth side of it is that it's actually given I'm hoping it's given a lot of board members and directors and owners 
a, a reality check on saying, you know what it is? You don't have to make changes to get success. It's about the, um, it's about giving that person an opportunity and a time frame to get their, their thought process over to their players. Well, let's not wax too lyrical on Brighton because they did lose this one. They also lost by a couple of goals, by three goals actually to Manchester United last week. It's just the fact that they had the points on the board before these games, which is all they needed to do. And also, go and have a look at Leandro Trossard's goal because that justifies playing through the middle or out from the back, if you like, because it's a beautifully worked goal. But it was all about Liverpool once again. They are closing in on the records, record books. Just a quick one, Tommy, on, on Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp said they're not motivated by records well, what are they motivated for because they've got it wrapped up so early surely they have to be um i, th- I think they are you know they, they are looking at you know the, a lot of their season is is done now you know the the champions leagues out the window the cups as well so you know uh, and i think that's the the sign of a, of a really really good side is that uh, the self-motivation you know you never get complacent and, and i think that's something that that shines to me when i watch Klopp, when i watch the players you can see that sort of uh, internal drive that they have, um, you know, to, to win every single game, you know, to, to be record breakers. A little bit what you, you, you admire with Ronaldo and Messi, you know, for some reason they, they don't have to, but they just keep driving on. They, they keep wanting to improve. They keep wanting to beat records, win trophies. And, and um, that, that's what sort of, sort of shines uh, to me when, when I hear them speak, the players at Liverpool, when, when I see them play. Just a, a pure desire to, to win. Um, and, and that's the culture that Klopp needs to be applauded for, for bringing in there, which has been lacking at Liverpool for, 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 for some years. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to drive them on for, for years to come as well. Well, Liverpool can at least sit back and enjoy the race behind them. Manchester City have a fair bit of breathing room. They'll hold on to second, no doubt. And when you see them beat Newcastle 5-0 at home, less than a week after they beat Liverpool 4-0, nine unanswered goals, Bridgie, at home for Manchester City. We know their class and David Silva's free kick. If that's the last goal he scores for Manchester City, it will be worthy because he's been such a great player and that was an amazing free kick. But the question is, how can they play so well against a Newcastle or Liverpool last week, yet lose nine games in a season. We've missed out on such a great title race because they slip up at these inopportune times. Yeah, they do slip up, Rich. And I think what it's down to, I was just having a look. Um, I've actually been thinking about myself, where, where have they gone wrong this season? And I just think if, if you look at the injury list they've had this season, and it's all at the back, you've got Laporte, yeah, we know that they had Sony up front. He was a big miss. Silva was out for this season. Now, when you lose company, who was a leader and a captain, and you lose David Silva for part of your season as well, you haven't got them players that have been there and won it before. You haven't got the leaders, the catalyst behind it. The guy that they signed in, Rodri, got injured. Edison had a misspell as well. John Stones, Mendy, Zinchenko. I mean, what, it, what I put it down to this season, that they've had all them injuries, some of them long-term, some of them just short-term. They haven't had the stability at the back. Uh, Laporte for me was a massive loss for them um, and I just think they haven't been able to capitalise defensively I know he likes his rotations and players but I really feel that they have been so disjointed this season at the back with all the all the injuries that they have sustained and you know it's all over the park as well De Bruyne he wouldn't have seen the remainder of the season as well if the COVID hadn't hit he was out with, with injuries so I just think there is something whether they're looking internally if it's something in the training that they've been doing extra, is it the amount of games? Is it the players? I don't know what it is, but I'm putting it down to a massive injury list throughout the season that I don't think they had in the previous years that they've won it. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, if I could just drop in there, but, you know, I I'd had a look at, at dived in a little bit to 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 some of the stats, and they've actually faced the least number of shots of any team in the Premier League. But then I, I you know, you look at uh, Edison; he's actually had a decent decent uh, season. You know, you look at his stats are, are up there, in, at least in in the top third uh, of goalkeepers. You know, they've had twelve clean sheets. Liverpool have had uh, thirteen. So you know, so, so there's some things there that, uh, that that are good signs, but but again, I agree with you, Bridger. I think just the the, the, the chopping and changing, the the personnel missing, um, you know, you, you, it's having it's having an in, impact. You know, they're just conceding goals even when they shouldn't be conceding, <laughs> uh, and uh, and and that's down to I think quality and, and not being able to to play week in week out together like 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 the likes of Liverpool who have the best record. Uh, in in most categories, you know they've been able to 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 field Van Dijk and uh, and the stronger side in in most uh, in most games. Well, as for some other results this week, a big one for Watford. That man, Nigel Pearson, we're talking about how he might be a myth and outdated. Well, he got three points against Norwich, and that might just be enough to sneak Watford home at the end of the season. They're up there with West Ham, who actually lost to Burnley, but it just might not matter for them either. David Moyes might get them out of trouble. And then we saw Sheffield United, Bridgie, beat Wolves. And all of a sudden, after Sheffield United came back from the break looking pretty ordinary, it has to be said, a couple of wins for them and a couple of defeats for Wolves mean that all of a sudden, United are looking at Champions League. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I, th- I think we, me and Tommy discussed it, how they were getting impacted from not playing in front of any fans. I thought that would have a huge impact. But I, I just think with the... The, the bigger clubs, they had more um, structure, they had more advice, they had more opportunities to keep themselves fit during the off-season because I think the clubs were supporting them with products for the houses as well, whether it was treadmills or runners or whatever they were doing. And it's taken them a while to get going again. And thankfully they have. I'm delighted for them because I would love to see Sheffield United in Europe, Rich. I know you don't. You're a, you, you've got that Yorkshire background, Heritage for Leeds. But I would just love to see the likes of Barcelona and Messi turn up at Bramall and, and just, you know, try and have a go against a team that is full of, um, you know, full of passion and power and physicality. And I think that was the, the, the only, it was a hell of a game to watch because both managers don't sit back and absorb pressure. And it was a set play that got through, got the game through. And um, I'm just pleased to see them back to winning ways. And it's thrown the top, I'd say the top 10 spots back open. I mean, Tottenham on 48 points and right up to Manchester United on 55 points, um, sitting in fifth. We've got a big London derby coming up this weekend with uh, Arsenal against Tottenham. So these results have just put the reins on and opened the that European spot place back up. So it's made it very, very exciting. But I'm delighted for Wilder because I'm a big fan of his. I love your choice of words there, Bridgie, that Ronaldo and Messi would have to turn up in, at Bramall Lane and try try to put an effort in as if it's some, some sort of uh, ungodly venue where the best players in the world can't it's play well. It's a horrible place to go, Rich. It's a horrible place. When that blizzard comes in from the left-hand open side, oh, mate, I've got shocking memories there. Oh. Well, Manchester United, has to be said, uh, are in pole position to get that fifth position. They'll actually be pretty confident of getting ahead of Leicester, who have been uh, up and down, to say the least. Actually, not, not too many ups, apart from maybe Jamie Vardy's form. He scored once again against Arsenal, an Arsenal team in great form. But Manchester United is the team, Thomas, that I'd like to, to spend a minute or so on because all of a sudden people have gone from slagging them off and saying they need a new manager and they need all these signings, they need to spend 
more money. But surely when you look at their front three and then the two guys behind in Pogba and Fernandez, that is potentially a title winning front five if they've got the right players behind them. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think uh, the turnaround, uh, you know, Solskjaer obviously off to a fantastic start when he took over, then down to a slump. Uh, but I think, again, we spoke about it uh, last week. You know, just the signing of Fernandez, I think, was, was the huge turnaround. You know, the talent was there. You, you know, you look at Rashford, Greenwood, uh, Martial. You know, you can keep going. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've, got, they've got that there. But they just needed that player with, with the right mentality, with, you know, with the right credentials, who, who could sort of be that link from, from midfield, uh, you know, to the front three and, and, and also potentially release Pogba a bit when, when he, now that he's back. Um, I think it, it just gives the team the balance that they need and, and they're only going to get better. Um, and and uh, potentially maybe one or two players away from, from being a, a team that could seriously uh, push you know, Liverpool over a, a, a whole season. I, I still think that they, they lack that uh, consistency and potential squad to to compete for 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 a full season, but um, but yeah, Liverpool is it's been a fantastic story I to agree to with you, Tommy. No end. Two two signings away from being title contenders, and I think we've got a transfer topic coming up later. So I think that'll answer a few questions, and then I'm really looking forward to seeing them. I never thought I would say I'd like Man United playing and watching them, but um, yeah, when you've got three boys in form like they have up top, it's it's brilliant to watch. Well, let's talk potential transfers now, Bridgie, because they've been linked with Kaladu Koulibaly and Milan Skriniar, both central defenders, who seemingly have the choice of both them and Manchester City, which would be interesting. You'd sense that one central defender alongside Harry Maguire would make a big difference. Nemanja Matic has re-signed for a couple of years, so they seem pretty settled in midfield, particularly if Paul Pogba stays. Tomorrow morning, by the way, we're recording this on Thursday, Aston Villa and Manchester United Villa. Well, I mean, surely they're almost gone. You wouldn't suspect they would win this one, but if it does, it throws everything we were just talking about, about Manchester United, out the window. Elsewhere, Bournemouth need a seemingly unlikely victory against Spurs. Everton and Southampton is essentially for nothing. Now, just to round out the Premier League chat, guys, I wonder what your highlight of the week was. I'm going to throw up a couple of options. The Denny Welbeck uh, overhead kick was classic. It was unbelievable finish. Uh, Eddie Nketiah not touching the ball for Arsenal, coming on and getting two yellows in the space of a couple of minutes, getting sent off. Or potentially, and this is my favourite from the week, Gary Cahill getting hit by a sniper during Chelsea's first goal. I wonder, I mean, obviously against his former club, I wonder what, what club that particular sniper supported. I mean, it was such a, such a good old-fashioned sniper, Bridgie. I mean, you don't see that often enough. I want to see more of that in football. Rich, you're a horrible man because I got sniped against Malaga for Leeds United. I got sniped in the first four minutes of the game. I felt like somebody shot us in the back of the calf, mate. I went down. There was nobody around us. Ruptured Achilles tendon. When you get them things happen to you, mate, it's not nice at all. So I'm not going to side me on this one. I know you want me to go down that. It was funny to see, but when you've been there and done it, it is horrendous. I think you've out for a quite long time because you know you do some major tears there. I'm going to have to go for um, Nketiah of Arsenal for two, two reasons. He left Leeds United, mate. If you do that, I don't like you. And two, he plays for Arsenal. So, doubly, I don't like you. So, that was the highlight. <laughs> Seeing him come on and then get red carded. Brilliant. Cost him uh, two points. That's my moment. So, I'm being as horrible as you are. 
but in a different context. <laughs> oh, that's that's very noble of you, Bridgie. What did you think, Thomas? What was your highlight of the week? Uh, well, I feel like I have to be really, really positive here just to balance things <laughs> out. <laughs> no, I, I think Danny Bell, Welbeck, obviously, like you said, it was a, it was a great taking goal. And uh, he, he seems to have been a player that's just been, he's gone off the grid. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't scored for a long while. Uh, you know, again, uh, he, he did so well at Arsenal, came through and, and, uh, and yeah, uh, he's yeah he's sort of lingering in somewhere. Uh, so it was just great to see him. It's it's uh, he's he's always been a good player, has the credentials. But Tom, uh, Tommy, from yeah. a keeper's perspective, when you see somebody do a bicycle kick, uh, you know it's not something that we practice and train and tee them up. It's just a phenomenon that happens. It, it's a nightmare for you keepers because you just don't know where it's going to go. You can't really adjust anything, can you? No, and and, and you know it's it's hard uh, you know, as well to hit it clean. You know, it, it tends yeah. to either sort of. Uh, uh, skew off a shin or you know or, or hit whatever side of the boot um so so it's, it's very hard to judge and, and the problem is sometimes it, it happens so quickly uh that uh you know it's just difficult to react to uh, you know you you see a lot of them where you could potentially point at the keeper and say well he could have done better he could have got an arm up but it's just a you know it happens and and most of the time in and among a, a lot of defenders and players uh, and it, it's just hard to follow the ball so uh but fair play to him great goal and uh, they needed it so um so that was important we spoke earlier about the relegation fight obviously three teams going down means three teams are coming up yet at the moment we don't yet know the identity of any of them however it seems like Two out of Leeds, West Brom and Brentford will go up automatic. Fulham are a little bit further back. They're in a bit of form, but they're probably too far back at the moment. Bridgie, Brentford, first of all, have won six straight. One, obviously, before the break and five since. Can they win 10 straight to finish? I mean, it seems so unlikely in that league for any team to do it because the championship is so hard. But at the moment, it looks like no one can beat them. Rich, they have been in unbelievable form. The bees they are just full of confidence. They've got the new stadium getting developed. I think that's right. Um, correct me Is it Barnsley and Stoke that they've got to come in the next few matches and along with Preston and Derby? Uh, yeah, they played Derby away at the weekend. So, uh... well, you know, you've got two teams there in Preston and Derby. They're going for the playoffs. They're, they're sitting three points outside the playoffs um, at the moment, Rich. Uh, you know, the, the teams at the bottom, they're fighting for their lives. You've got two teams going for promotion. I'm trying to put a good spin on this. They're going to be tough games. Nothing's easy. But the form that Brentford are in is nothing short of sensational. Like you say, they're just making a late surge. They're three points behind Leeds United, who are in second on 78 points. Leeds have got a big game. By the time this podcast is done, tomorrow morning they've got their match coming hang up. On, so hang on, we're not, we're not talking for 12 hours straight, Bridgie. We didn't sign up for that. Oh, Rich, I would love to because I'm very nervous about this game. Leeds have got to win, man. They've got to give themselves that five, six-point buffer again back because West Brom and Brentford, they're really making a late surge. So it's going to be interesting. Can Brentford do the 10-game? No, they can't, Rich. There you go. They definitely can't. I think they'll win two more games and they'll get a defeat in there and a draw. So Leeds have got to be back on top um, oh, in four, 24 hours. Come on. Yeah, uh, but I must say I'm 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 all in for Brentford. We got a Danish manager, Thomas Frank, and I think he's done a, a tremendous job. What's his name? Uh, Thomas Frank. Yeah, I know what I'll be called if he beats Leeds. Yeah, no, he, they've they've got a. a, a <laughs> Yeah, no, I think they can do it. I think the the run in. I think the big test for them would be at Derby uh, at, at the weekend. You know, if they can get over that hurdle, um, looking at the fixtures. I think they, they, you know, potentially have three wins in them. 
Um, and I think that will be good enough. I don't think uh, Leeds or uh, yeah, Leeds at the moment, I think the, you know, my old side is going to do a job on them uh, you know, tomorrow morning, hopefully. And, um, and we can uh, get Thomas Frank in the Premier League. I've, there's one fixture that worries me. I know you're going for Stoke, uh, Tommy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course I am. We're just about to press the delete button. There's one result that worries me, and that's Lee Boyer. Last game this season, Charlton manager. He's been a Leeds legend for so many years, and Leeds have got to play Charlton. That's going to be the final moment in the last game. I'm hoping it's over by then, because um, I'm, oh, if not, I'll be texting Lee saying, you've got no chance of playoffs, mate. Is a safe. Just playing no players whatsoever. Put the youth team out and just give them a chance. It's one of those things, though, Bridgie. If it's not safe for Leeds, then you do fear for them because it's all in their hands. They only need 10 points to confirm it from five games. They're away, though, at Swansea and Derby, two sides fighting for a top six place and in good form. So it's still all to play for. A lot of people have messaged me and said, oh, it's done and dusted. It is far from done and dusted when Leeds are involved. <laughs> but if you're West Brom at the moment, three wins on the bounce, you'd be feeling pretty good under Slavin Bilic about going back to the Premier League. I want to ask a question, though, about... Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Pan, Bridgie, Ange Postacoglu, Yokohama F. Marinos, they were behind to Sean and Belmare, and they looked like it was going to be another frustrating outing. They've lost one and drawn one to start the season, but it was vintage Postacoglu, wasn't it? A 3-2 win, five second-half goals, great entertainment. Yeah, and do you know what he used to his advantage, Rich? He used the substitutions and the, the players to his... His ability, because they're playing a, a you know a pressing game. We, we've witnessed Ange in the A-League. We've witnessed him at the national level and um, what he's gone over there for Yokohama in his first season. And even when they played Man City pre-season, Pep said, you know, the standard and the quality this guy has, the energy levels they have. And I think this one just got them through. He used the subs. Um, Amano came on and got two goals from the bench and they got the late winner. So he used his substitutes fantastically. They ran them off the park and they had to get a win, Rich, because, you know, the, the team they were playing... And Shannon, were, they only had one win in five games. So, it's it, you know, that's going back last season as well. And it, it's tough in that league. As Pete Klamowski's shown, he's gone off on his own. He's gone from, it's almost like Luke Skywalker leaving Obi-Wan Kenobi for the first time. You know, he's been his understudy. He's gone off and he's thinking, I'll have a crack at this. And, you know, Shimzu are sitting there in 17 for having got a win so far. It, it's tough. So it just shows again how incredible the job is and just doing. And I think this is the start now for Yokohama. They're only going to get better and better because the players are going to get the fitness levels that Ange desires and Ange demands of them. So that was a huge, huge win for them this morning. And it looked like they were back to their best. Yeah, another defeat midweek for Pete Klamowski too in the space of a few days since football came back. But you sense that with a bit of time, he'll be fine at Shimizu. You mentioned the subs there, Thomas. There's some chat that the five subs rule will hang around into next season. What do you think about that? I suppose in the context that, as Bridgie sort of alludes to, surely that will suit certain managers and certain teams over others. Uh, but yeah, I'm all for it. I, I, you know, same with, with a, a bigger bench, uh, you know, uh, why not, uh, you know, give, give the flexibility, you know, like we've seen with Pastor Cockler, you know, you, you want to see, the managers uh, explore different uh, options, 
you know, you, you want to see managers try to change things, uh, change games around uh, and, and, and give them no excuses, really. Uh, and, and I think this, you know, more substitutions will, will just make it, uh, you know, give more options and, and more flexibility. And, uh, I don't, you know, I think it would be good for the game. And, and you want to see fresh players. You don't want to see tired players. So uh, you want to see full steam ahead uh, for 90 minutes. So I'm all for it. I think it should hang around. It was a smart decision for the players' welfare. They've definitely looked at why they've, why they've done this. I was a bit sceptical at first, but um, it, it's definitely paying dividends for the injuries and the players' loads coming back in such a short um, pre-season or you know, COVID shutdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure your guys' sentiments are shared by everybody. The initial reaction from a lot of people has been that it's unnecessary. I mean, obviously it will support certain teams the way they play in terms of going at a million miles an hour, but also it can help kill games as well, I suppose. We've seen that with the drinks break, that teams that have momentum lose it all of a sudden. But as you say, Bridgie, it is for welfare and health and we can't really argue with that. Just elsewhere, by the way, in the J-League, good to see Socceroo Thomas Deng playing uh, 90 minutes over a couple of games. Uh, played centre-half, actually, for Eurowood. They're unbeaten. They were 2-1 winners uh, over Sendai. And by the way, when we're talking about the J-League, if you get the chance, head to the Optus Sport app and have a look at Iniesta's assist for Douglas, uh, for Vissel Kobe. They won their win over Sagan Tosu. It's just the flick over the top. It's classic Iniesta. He's got still a lot to give. Speaking of still a lot to give, uh, Bridgie, Adam Taggart, nice to see he got a double at the weekend uh, in the K-League. But Sue won a third bottom, a three-all draw with FC Seoul. Did little to lift their spirits at the moment. We saw last year how well he did, your former teammate in the side that was going well, Suwon Blue Wings. But uh, what about when things are going tough? Yeah, well, I, you know, I really felt for him because he was flying last season. And it was very interesting because obviously we don't know much or I didn't know much about the K-League. I had a very, very good chat with Alex Wilkinson who had been over there. And he, he was just saying, it doesn't matter what you've done this season before, it's all about now and in the moment. And he said, it's very, it was the first week of the season I was chatting to him and I was saying, there hasn't been many players, um, the imports playing. And he was like, no, he said, you're not guaranteed just because you're the import player and especially if you don't score goals. Now, tags started early on and, and you know, we, we watched the game, I think it was the first game back in Australia when Antonis got red carded and it was a very, very tough start for Taggart. He's found himself sitting in the stands and on the bench and what I like about him, he hasn't spat his dummy out. He's got on with it. He's waited for his opportunity. He's kept himself going. And finally, you know, he's got himself off to a... Uh, he's, he's been scoring on a few occasions, Rich, and it's good to see him back because he is a quality striker. But the Suwon, you know, like you see, you're, you're meant to be up in the top top two, top three with his team and they find themselves in tense position. It's not good. Um, in the team that I've gone for, the Pohang Steelers, because of um, the boy... Oh, my God. Who's, who's there from Sydney Brand, FC? Brendan O'Neill. Oh, Neil, so thank you very much. He's the reason I've gone for them. They're, they're doing well. But again, going back to tags, I'm just delighted to see him back on the score sheet because, you you know, there's not a lot of players like sitting out and missing games. You lose your headspace. You're in a foreign country. You know, you've got to learn the culture. Tags is stuck with it and good on him because if he's scoring goals, there's other teams in Asia watching you. Jeez, that's, a, that's dog on Brandon O'Neill. The young guy grew up watching Michael Bridges play for his beloved Leeds United. And he's just had his name forgotten by said Bridges on the Gagan pod. Anyway, moving on. Aussies abroad. That's the theme at the moment. And Thomas, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Melbourne City's W League team raided by the Gunners of Arsenal. <laughs> Steph Catley and yesterday Lydia Williams confirming their move uh, to Arsenal to play under a, another Aussie in Joe Montemuro joining Caitlin Ford there. This is huge for the Matildas. I mean, 
these players have dreamt of these types of moves, no doubt about that. Joining, you know, Kaya Simon and Amy Harrison now at PSV. You know, these players are going to big clubs. But from a Manchester, sorry, Melbourne City perspective, of course, your your club down there um, to lose these stars. Maybe you're not quite as positive as everybody else. <laughs> Uh, you know, but it's time for a, a change. You know, that, that's the natural pro- progression of things. Uh, there's still questions about the women's league. Uh, obviously, here in Australia, what's going to happen? You know, so I fully understand the you know the ambitions. You know, of Ellie Carpens are going to Leon as well. Uh, you know, I think it's great for for Australian uh, women's soccer, and especially looking at the World Cup coming up in three years. You know, you want your best players to to be playing in the best leagues. Uh, you, you want them to to make a, a good living for themselves. You know, they've dedicated their life. And, and I know a few of, of, of those uh, girls and, uh, uh, and you know, they're, they're hardworking, um, you know, and they deserve this chance. And, and again, Montemuro, obviously, he was an assistant coach when, when I was at Melbourne City, uh, done a great job. And I understand he knows those players. He actually managed them for, for the women's team, a few of them, uh, at Melbourne City when he was there. So... Um, so you know what they stand for, and, and you know they all got the qualities. Uh, they're all world class, so they they got the qualities to step in and, and make a difference and and build this uh, Matilda's team that we want to win the World Cup in in, in 2023. As a goalkeeper, uh, Lydia Williams. I mean, did you work closely with Lydia at all uh, during your time at Melbourne City? And and if so, what do you make of her and her chances to go and and you know play first team football for Arsenal? Manuela Zinsberger, their number one at the moment. Surely Lydia goes there as the, the Matilda's incumbent and takes that spot. You know, yeah, she's very experienced, uh, very calming influence uh, at, at Melbourne City, was a, was a leader there. I had a, a bit to do with her um, uh, on the sort of mental side. We had a few, few chats. Uh, um, she, she had a, a few struggles a couple of years ago, uh, you know, with her time in America when she didn't play and, uh, but she had built, built herself back up. And I think, you know, last season played extremely well and, uh, and has, has been a sure thing for the Matildas for, for, for many, many years. Uh, I think she's got a good shot of, of uh, potentially breaking into the team. Okay, tough question here, lads. All these Matildas players and best of luck to them this season upcoming in the dub. In the FAWSL, it'll be fantastic to watch them. Obviously, Ford, Kerr, Catley, Williams. I mean, it's fantastic. It's probably not the last ones we'll see either over the next few weeks. But the question is, Bridgie, who's the next Socceroo we see in the men's equivalent in the Premier League? Oh, that, that is a tough question, Richard. Very, very tough. Um... Oh, who stands out of mind? The, the, the way I look at it, I don't, I'm, I'm going to say the lads that are in England already have got the Wongu, Sheffield United, if they get promoted, we might see them back in the Premier League. The other one, you know, Matty Ryan, Aaron Moy are obviously already there. Hang on, Bridgie, hang on, Bridgie. Luongo, Sheffield United, come on. Sheffield Wednesday, who are absolutely battling in Aston Villa. Sorry, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday. They get promoted, they get back in the Premier League. They're That's not the getting energy. promoted. They're not getting promoted no, anytime soon. <laughs> No, but you never know, Rich. And that's what I'm looking at. It's very tough for the players to get in over there. Um, and I would love to see. I want to see Rogic have a crack, mate. Um, he's been at Celtic. I know he's, I think he's, his time's up. I would love to see somebody have a punt in him, a team that gets promoted from the championship, put him in, give him an opportunity. But it's, it's really tough now, Rich. And that's why I think Aaron Moy and Matty Ryan have, have done so well. I look back when I was at Leeds United and we had a massive... Influence of players, your Harry Keeley, your Viduka, Shane Carnell, Sheriff, Jamie McMaster, Paul O'Connor. 
it was very tough for players to get visas into England at that moment in time. When I'm talking Brazilians, African players coming in, there was work permits. Croatian players struggled to get into the league at that time. So there was a lot more opportunities to get into European football for the Australians via the visa system. Not taking anything away from that, Rich, but it is a lot harder now because the visas and the work permits for Brazilian players, African players, Croatian players to get into the Premier League, uh, it, it's tough for Australian players now. And that's why I think we are not seeing as many in Europe. Uh, and it, it makes it very hard. And that's why you've got to really appreciate what Matty Ryan and Aaron Moy have done to cap capture the imaginations of the people that are willing to take an opportunity and a chance. Yeah, but I also think you, you need to also question if is the quality there. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think the... Uh, you know the, the the work that's been done in talent development over the last uh, you know potentially ten years has been good enough. Um, you know, I'm looking at you. You, you got a Daniel Asani, who obviously made the move. Uh, Siprit Singh, uh, but he's is he New Zealand? Uh, yeah, but, but, but he's yeah, but he's from this region. But but there isn't there isn't that many um, you know else. And I think that's a big problem that we don't even have anyone that we can sort of point to as a potential shot to make the Premier League. Yeah, I agree, because what, what you get with the curriculum and the system that we've been teaching over here since I've been here, it has been about getting the ball, past the ball, receive it, can you face forward, all this. There's never been anything about, uh, and this is where I think if there is role, there's been a producing quality footballers with good technique, but there's a million of them out there in the world. What clubs look for is, in the attacking third I'm going for, somebody that excites, somebody that has got the the desire, the ability to do a Harry Q, like an Arzani, go past people. And I, I say this to kids when, I, when you see them over here and they're playing for their teams. What are you going to do if I come to watch you as a, as a team? What are you going to do to stand out for me to take notice as a coach or as a scout to go, wow, you have something different to everybody else? And I don't think we, um, in, the, in the current climate over here, have really had that because I think in junior level, there's a lot of coaches or textbook coaches that have read the manual and go, oh, this is a passing drill, this is a positioning game, this is how we're going to do it. You've, you've got to understand, kids have got to express themselves, they've got to enjoy it, and you've got to go and give them the freedom to go and do whatever they want. And, and learn, if I give you a, if I get a Rubik's Cube, me and my daughter did this Rubik's Cube together, and if she'd have given me that on day one, Rich, and said, Dad, can you go and finish that Rubik's Cube? She can do it in like 10 seconds now or something. I wouldn't have had a clue. So we've helped each other do that. And she's let me learn a way of how I could do a system on it. And then she showed me one. And we worked together. And, you know, it's, I think it's a coaching has got to be a bit of help, a bit of mentoring. But you've got to let them get on with it and work things out for themselves and go and express yourself if you want to get into the biggest leagues in the world and play football and turn professional. You can't suck the life out of kids by doing the same monotonous drills. Well, it's a good insight into how we get there. Not too sure you answered the question, <laughs> by the way, as to who will be the next soccer room. But I think that's because it's so difficult to, to pinpoint. I reckon Brad Smith is maybe the best chance at the moment, left back at the moment for Cardiff City, who are sixth and looking like they might be in the playoffs in the championship. But, uh, yeah, still a long road. Let's hope. Soon, though, there are a few going there because certainly in the women's game, it's great to see all the Matildas going to the biggest clubs in the world. Speaking of players moving clubs, let's touch on transfers and quickly rip through some potentials. want uh, some hard answers from you, gents, on this. We're going to rip through some of the biggest rumours at the moment. Adama Traore, uh, fantastic player for Wolves. He creates so many amazing opportunities. Great footballer as well. Manchester City, Juventus and Barcelona all interested. Where does he go? Thomas. 
Um, I think potentially uh, Juventus could be a good fit for him. Um, I don't know if he'll fit in Man City or Barca the way they, they play. Yeah. Um, I, I think Juventus will suit him more. His, his powerful running, uh, you know, the crossing, depending on, you know, uh, who they still got as a striker there next season. But, but uh, so, so, yeah, that, that, that'll be my guess uh, as, as a best fit. Okay, there you have it. Juventus potentially, or staying at Wolves maybe for Traore. Elsewhere, Chelsea, Bridgie, they, um, well, they're not done yet. I mean, Hakan Ziyech coming in, Timo Werner. It looks like they'll have a fantastic squad next year if they get even one of their remaining targets. Kai Havertz from Leverkusen is potentially the next one. Will this happen? And more to the point, who do they get rid of if they're going to go and get more attacking players? Oh, mate, what a player. You, you think what Chelsea have done without a transfer and where I don't think they would have expected anything. Frank Lampard has gone above and beyond what he's done. The youngsters have got a chance and opportunity. And the signings, you, you say, for next season, they are title contenders, no doubt. And the, the boy in question, um, you know, Leverkusen. Mate, there's people talk like Loth Matej saying he could be the next one that knocks him off the, the crown for being one of the greatest all-time German players. Now, that's credit itself. So, again, if Chelsea get this and pull it off, it's massive. Who do they get rid of? I, I, I look at the squad and I see a little... It's incredible up top. Um, my B would be getting rid of an elder, uh, a player like Pedro. We're not going to see much much of him. He's getting on a little bit as well. And the other one I'd be sacrificing, mate, is Hudson-Odoi. He's come on the scene. Yeah, he's. I know he's a youngster. He's an English player. I would, I would be getting some money because he hasn't reached the heights that we all thought he would. Giroud's proven yet again that he... He is there. He's there for a reason why. Um, Tammy Abraham can learn a lot of him. Williams being an inspired form. I, I just don't know where we're going with this, mate. But I would get rid of Pedro and Adoy. Well, Pedro and Willian will definitely be on their way out. I love the fact, by the way, that you say it's credit itself for Lotz Mateus to compare Havertz to himself. Yeah, it is. It's literally crediting himself for Lotz Mateus. No great shock from one of the greats of German football. Uh, moving on, Arsenal and Napoli. They want Alan Saint-Maximin from uh, Newcastle, which will be a real shame for Newcastle fans because he has been amazing, uh, Bridgie, your former club. Uh, surely they have to throw everything at holding on to him, whether or not they have a new owner. This is the type of player that will actually excite people once again at St. James's Park. Oh, mate, the fans love him. Um, look, my mates always talk about this guy. He's, he's, he's a class act. He's powerfully strong. Uh, do you know what it is, Rich? I think the only way he will stay is if we get a takeover and they manage to keep hold of him because Mike Ashley will be wanting to get as much money for this player as he can. He'll probably be getting sold as we are speaking or he'll be doing deals so he can fill his big fat pockets and take all the money. So there you go. Hopefully he can stay, but I just think he's a quality player and, and this is always going to be the case in Newcastle. When they get some diamonds, they, they're going to move on if Mike Ashley's in charge. The new owners will be thinking, can we get the deal done and keep a hold of him because he's a huge asset. Yeah, well, they're not the only ones thinking, can they get the deal done? Because it's still dragging on. Uh, Thomas, Jaden Sancho, apparently uh, Borussia Dortmund have set a deadline of August the 10th for Manchester United and anyone else that wants to come in and pay well over £100 million for Sancho. We spoke before about Manchester United uh, and their title credentials moving forward. Yes or no, do they need and should they go for Jaden Sancho? Oh, he's a luxury player. You know, he's a good player. He's obviously English. And he would, you know, like Bridget were talking about the excitement that, that he would bring. Um, but I wouldn't spend over the top. I think uh, United have said that they, they, they would spend 50 million uh, in, in that ballpark. Uh, and it looks like Dortmund want uh, probably double that and, and even more. 
I will spend it elsewhere. We talked about defenders uh, potentially shoring up the back line. Uh, you can get plenty for 50, 60 million in, in that department that, that would make, I think, a bigger difference for them because I think they got similar players to, to Jordan Sancho. Uh, so that, that would be a luxury that you have to pay well over the top to, to get. Um, so uh, get him for 50 million. Leave him for another time potentially next year. That was a longer yes and no answer than I normally give. That was brilliant, Tommy. You've taken the new crown off me. Uh, I think I think Tommy still had a couple of minutes up his sleeve there, Bridgie. Although he did cut out there for a moment, I assume, because uh, he was swearing. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, we can all guess as to what he said in that little, um, you know, little aside there. That's okay. Thanks, Tommy. Hey, moving around the world, and speaking of a player that could be on the move, but we don't know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic this week said he's president, player, and coach of AC Milan. And if he'd been there at the start of the season, they would have won the Scudetto, the 4-2 victory over Juve, the first time in an age that Juventus have conceded uh, four goals in the league. It doesn't happen very often. It, it was unbelievable. I mean, can he keep going uh, into next season for Milan, Thomas? I mean, if you're them, do you just keep on to him for the box office factor at the very least? <laughs> oh, he's the master of the one-liners. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you just got to, you know, he... He, and he backs it up, uh, you know, most times. And I, I think that's the, the great thing about it. Uh, the sad thing is obviously what he said is he's only getting paid like a player. He's not getting paid as a president, as a, as a coach as well. Uh, but, but, yeah, no, he has the quality. And, uh, uh, yeah, he's probably past his best. But, but uh, the individual brilliance, the technique, uh, it's still there for, for us all to see. And, uh, you know, it'll be sad the day he leaves the game. And I, I'm, I'm sure... They'll do whatever they can for the box office, in any case, to, to keep hold of him. How um, many statues can one man have around the world? <laughs> I think he's, he's eager to build more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Let, let him have it, seriously. Hey, uh, Bridgie, quick one on Barcelona. This week, they relegated their city rivals, Espanyol. The first time in 26 years they've gone down. So that'll be an interesting place to be over the next uh, couple of weeks. But we saw this week the Barcelona president come out and say that Lionel Messi will definitely end his career in a Barcelona shirt. Uh, is it just me? Uh, it's a little disappointing. I mean, I, I know we long for loyalty in the game and we love one club players and, and appreciate what they do for their clubs. But you just love to see him take on one more challenge somewhere and, and almost prove somehow the cynic's wrong that he can dominate absolutely anywhere. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I've got, I, I'm a purist. I love Messi um, over Ronaldo for the football side of it. But when you're talking about what Ronaldo's done in Portugal, in England, in Spain, and now he's doing it in Italy, uh, he's gone and tested himself in so many different leagues. And yet again, he's proven it time and time again. I would love to have seen Messi do it, Rich. I would love to have seen him in the Premier League and having a go. Um, but again, when you look at it, it, it's a match made in heaven. He's breaking, he's going to break records that I don't think will ever be broken again in Barcelona's history when he finishes his career. Um, and he's going to leave a massive legacy. So I just feel a little bit cheated by the little master and the little genius. But fair play to him because not, it's not often we see one club men nowadays. It will add to the myth. All right, we're just about out of time on the Gagan pod. A look ahead to the weekend. Friday night, we will know who is playing in the knockout stages of the Champions League. A little under a month away, it will be back. Played in Lisbon. We're still awaiting all the finer points, but we'll have all those on Friday night when the draw comes out. A few more matches from the round of 16 to come. And then we rip into the quarterfinals. And with the Europa League on at the exact same time, 
over the space of three weeks, I think there's only one or two days where there won't be European football during the Australian morning here. So it will be a fantastic festival over those few weeks. Elsewhere on the weekend, the Saturday night warm-up uh, live on Optusport's Facebook and YouTube, hosted by Neve Owens. Uh, we count down to Norwich and West Ham and also uh, Watford and Newcastle, two games on Saturday night. 9.30, Michael Bridges, uh, Mark Schwarzer and John Aloisi will be live with Neve. Uh, other where, uh, elsewhere, I should say, this weekend, uh, Liverpool and Burnley, Sheffield United and Chelsea, Brighton, Man City, Wolves, Everton, Aston Villa and Crystal Palace after the three games in the early hours of Friday morning. It's all happening as always. Thomas, what are you most looking forward to? After uh, the London derby, I think it's going to be a fantastic, um, exciting game that has a lot of implications on, on the Champions League and, and the top six and uh, a lot of stake, I think, for the managers as well. Uh, so it's always exciting to to to, to follow those those big games. So that, that that's probably my highlight. Yeah, fighting for eighth place in the table, Bridgie, uh, Spurs and Arsenal. You know, obviously they both want to finish in the top eight. Um... I'm not looking forward to that game at all. I am not looking forward to that game at all. Um, Tottenham in horrendous form. Arsenal are in a great vein of form. I'm looking forward to Sheffield United, Chelsea. Um, and also, obviously, on the Saturday night with, with Neve, we've got the West Ham and we've got Watford and Norwich playing in their battle to see how the relegation will unfold. So there's plenty to talk about on Saturday and Sundays, mate, but Sheffield United and Chelsea, a great game. Here's my fearless prediction. Norwich will go down on the weekend. They're almost there now, but this will confirm it. West Ham, it would almost confirm their place in the Premier League if they are to beat the Canaries, and Watford can do the same uh, when they face Newcastle. We're out of time on the Gagan Potter. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges, uh, thank you, gents. We'll catch up with you next time. Dave Weiner will no doubt be back uh, from his grade one ligament tear next week on the Gagan Pod, and he'll take you through everything between now and then, though, of course, uh, everything in the football world is coming your way. A lot of it live on Optus Sport, whether it be from the Premier League, the K League, the J League. We're also counting down to the draw in the Premier European competitions, Champions League and Europa League. You never quite know where to look. Between now and then, of course, enjoy your football. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.